0: so hello and welcome to the russian football news podcast today is the 7th of february we've got a, quite a few dis- topics for, for discussion today and we have gone into the unprecedented territory of having three guests so it's quite a step forward in the russian football news world First of all, I will introduce our editor, that is Tucker Thelade. Hello there, sir. Hello. Good afternoon, or morning, whatever it is. And Andrew, you're back as well, Andrew Flint. I'm um, indeed, hello, hello. Hello, and then we've also got a native Russian with us. We've got Ilya Sakolov. Yeah, hi. Hello happy
1: there. to be in the first podcast with my boss.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> you have to be on your best behavior. <laughs> we've discovered that in recent times off air the listeners won't know this, but the off air he's, he's all right he's been cursing us quite a lot okay so yeah. let's um let's get underway we've got the first issue is the transfer window obviously the transfer window in russia doesn't close for another couple of weeks um obviously already closed throughout most of europe but Russian clubs can still do business. And even European clubs with Russian clubs can still do business. So we saw that a few years ago when Andrei Arshavin moved to Arsenal outside of the English transfer window, but it's still within Russian transfer window. So first I'm going to come to our editor. Toko, who do you think is the RPL's best signing?
2: There have been a lot of good signings, but I think Sinit's signings of Kokorin and Shirkov they just prove how dominant they are in the league and Signing those two, I believe the transfer fee was around 2 million euros. That is just, that's brilliant business, even though I would have I would have loved Kokorin to leave Russia, but that's another discussion, so I'd go with Senna here. Um, What about you, Andrew?
3: Um, Yeah, I I agree with Toker. I think um, the statement of intent is worth it alone. Although, to be be honest, I'm not entirely sure they will both fit into the side straight away. Maybe it's a view for the next season. I like um, Vyacheslav Podbrozkin going to Krasnodar. Um, I'm a big, big fan of his, and it's a good chance for him to have a step up to a slightly more secure club. Uh, I think he he will do well at Krasnodar, I think.
0: Yeah, that is a transfer from Ural, who, of course, Andrew is quite familiar with out in Siberia. Ilya, who do you think is the uh, Premier League's best signing?
1: Well, uh, it's difficult to choose between the Senate signings because and other teams' team signings. I think I would highlight Angie's signings of Bernard Berisha because uh, this player impressed me during his games against Lokomotiv. He was really one of the best uh, on the field. I mean, including Lokomotiv players, and he was linked with uh, Lokomotiv and other Russia's top clubs. Uh, so I was quite surprised he moved to Anji. Uh, I think uh, he can easily move to the bigger club next season. So
0: is that with mind of him impressing during Angie's impell- impending
1: relegation? Yeah, because I don't actually believe that Angie can become top club in the uh, next few years. So maybe we'll see him in Lokomotiv
0: yeah, this sp- year. We spoke of um, in there. I mean, less this is... Like you said, Kokorin moved with um, Zhirkov. Uh, Zhirkov is quite an interesting signing, really. Should add a bit of depth. But obviously, Kokorin is the main issue here. Tucker, what, what's the
2: what's the problem with the move? Obviously, for Kokorin, he moves to the biggest club in Russia and he gets to play Champions League and everything. He gets a nice pay raise and, and all that. But it, it, time has shown that you don't develop as much in Russia as you do if you go to a bigger uh, league in Europe and play against... Better sides and a higher pace and everything. So while it's good for Kokorin and Russian football that he gets to play in the Champions League against some of the best uh, clubs in Europe, it's just a problem that he's still not matched on a high enough level uh, on a on a regular basis each weekend when he plays in the league. So he's twenty four now, and it's it is time for him to to move abroad and really test himself, like Shavun did, for example, and Pavluchenko a couple of years ago, and and just when signing with Senate it looks like he has no real ambitions of trying himself abroad.
0: So, Ilya, what's been the the Russian reaction to this?
1: Uh, Well, I think, yeah, quite the same, although there are some opinions that he definitely had no chance uh, to show him abroad, especially in clubs like Arsenal. And uh, I also agree with many Russians that uh, he is two two years older and uh, it's written in his passport, so many Russians don't consider him that young. And that's why they're not surprised that he moved to, to Zenit, like Zhirkov or like uh, uh, other Russian stars do. In my opinion, that's maybe the best choice for him right now.
0: Okay, and Andrew, uh, Toka talked about moving abroad there. Well, why would it benefit Kokorin and Russian football? Say he moved abroad to a bigger league and a bigger club. Where he might find himself on the bench. What's the benefit of that to Russian football? I mean, well, obviously there isn't any. Do you see what I'm saying?
3: Well, yeah, exactly. That's that's the thing. I think this is the reason why there are so few Russians abroad. That there's just an there's an uncertainty about you know how much impact they're likely to have. Um, so it could be it could be negative if he did move and and end up spending two seasons just picking up a salary, but. I think somebody's got to be the first to move before their prime. And, uh, well, I say the first. Arshavin did have a good season or two at Arsenal. But, you know, make a career, make at least a full career out of it. Um, if he did, people would sit up and take notice of the quality in Russia. And I think it would it would give more confidence in the long term to the younger Russian players coming through, thinking, well, you know, if, if a player like Kokorin takes that bold step and he actually did pretty well, then maybe they would think more about it instead of just being rather apathetic about moving. I think it, I think it's more for the future generations that it would be of benefit. Um, so, it is a shame. I agree with toka I agree.
2: I think the the expectations for Kokorin has been a bit unrealistic. I remember when Fabio Capello was the national team coach. He, he tried to talk Milan into signing him and other pundits have said that he could play for Barcelona and then the latest rumors were Arsenal and Manchester United and Tottenham in the in the past six months. And I don't think that level was ever realistic for Kokorin, at least not at, at this point. I think what he should have done or could have done maybe was to do like Nyasa and move to Everton or a smaller Premier League side move to Swansea, whatever. And from there establish himself. I don't think it was ever realistic to move from Dinamo Moscow and then straight to one of the biggest clubs in the world. I, and it, but if that was his expectation, I understand why he chose Synod. Um, because I don't think any of the big clubs have ever really been interested. At least not in a long-term deal.
0: So, Ilya, surely the problem is... Toku was saying that it showed a lack of ambition from Kokorin, but surely the problem is the system with the 6 plus 5 rule, which tempts players to stay in their
1: homeland. Yeah, exactly. I agree. And I'm angry that they're going to change the rule... Next year to five plus plus six because like it can be even worse than it is now because like they really get more money than than they actually deserve and I don't see why sh- why they would intend to move to other leagues if Kokorin can play in Zenit and be in Champions League every year and like other players and Lokomotiv and Spartak they can participate in some European competitions, get more money than they would ever get. So why should they move anywhere? And that's kind of ridiculous. I hope after the World Cup they will change this rule. Maybe yeah, maybe we'll see a lot of Russian players abroad.
0: So, Andrew, do you think Kukorin will be a success at Zenit?
3: Um, I don't see him getting much game time this season, but I think there's too much uncertainty. If, you know, when Vilas Boris goes, whoever comes in, he's going to have to work hard to prove himself because I can't see him. I can't see him getting in the now. The only way I can see him being a success is if Danny were to retire at the end of the season, um, and perhaps he could play behind um, Juba. Uh, perhaps he could be a success there, but he's. I'm not entirely convinced. Yeah, it, a lot depends on who stays, who goes uh, in the playing staff for me as well. So at the moment, it's I'm on the fence with this one. Um, but I hope so. I'll keep my fingers crossed that he will.
0: Okay, so we've obviously got Kukor, that Kokorin discussion could go on forever, really. I mean, we're not quite sure how it's going to impact. It will be interesting to see what happens. I mean, Tucker, do you think that this is his last move? I know it's quite strange to say it's at such an early age, but given the high pay packet, the Zenit will always be able to outmuscle the other clubs in terms of wages.
2: Yeah, I recall you wrote something similar to that on the on the Russian football news website, but and I think you're right. Um, I think Kokorin now has signed a contract that is, unless he scores 35 goals in a season, will make him relatively uninteresting for foreign clubs, unless he, of course he decides to go for a monster deal and move to Manchester City, but that doesn't seem realistic at all. So. Yeah, we'll see. I I believe his contract is for three years, three or four years, and by that time he'll be twenty seven, twenty eight, and that, depends on that which
0: passport you believe.
2: The, yeah, maybe even maybe he'll even be thirty, and and then he will surely be uninteresting for for foreign clubs, and yeah, so I I see him staying in Russia for the rest of his career, unless something insane happens, or if he does a. As Zuchov and move to Kazakhstan or something on loan when he gets over the hill.
0: Or he could just fall out with the club everyone else seems to.
2: Yeah, surely that could happen too, but then he would probably be picked up by a smaller club, just like Roman Shirokov mm. does all the time.
0: Probably the biggest move outside. Well, coming out of Russia was uh, Nias leaving locomotive for Everton for the region of about 13.5 million pounds. Ilya, as our resident locomotive expert, could you tell Everton fans what they're getting with Nias?
1: Well, you know, I've talked uh, a lot to Everton fans this week. And, uh, of course, we recall Bilal and his time in uh, at Everton. And uh, I should say that uh, Nyaša has um, all the qualities uh, to succeed uh, uh, instead of Belaladinov, for example. Because, well, first, you know, you should know uh, one single fact about Nyaša that proves that he's ready for Premier League. He played all this season, his greatest season so far, with a broken hand. Uh, I mean, this is what English Premier League needs, uh, such guys. Uh, I can also advise to uh, Google Nyasa's goal uh, against Krasnodar, uh, because it, it uh, shows everything. It says a lot about this player, because in the situation uh, when uh, any other player would just stop, uh, he, he fell down in the penalty box and... I think, like, 95% of other players would just call for a penalty and uh, that's it. Uh, uh, instead, Niasa scored his, like, I mean, the goal I could compare to Avechkin's uh, greatest goal, I think. Like, in the situation, when it, it is impossible to score, he did that. And he scored, like, half of his goals are were made uh, of such situations. And um, I think... Uh, uh, Everton fans should be quite positive uh, about uh, the new signing. The other problem I see is uh, his finishing because uh, uh, I don't think it's like... Uh, I think he had he had some problems with finishing this year despite scoring so many goals. He missed a lot of chances and uh, I'm afraid that if he doesn't score in his first several games it could uh, uh, will be have pressure on him and maybe he won't succeed. So I think he needs a goal or two in his first games and then it will be fine.
0: So Andrew, we know well,
1: us watching English football we see
0: Everton quite a lot. They do attack quite a lot with the backs as well, create a lot of chances. Ilya says about the misses a lot of chances, but with Everton creating so so many chances he should be mm. a su- successor, shouldn't he?
3: Well, <clears throat> yeah, I think he could slot into the side Reasonably well. Um, I think Aruna Kone is not an entirely dissimilar type of player, although he's obviously much older. Nyasa would give more more pace, um, so I would I would imagine they would use him out wide, but you know, allowing him to cut in, um, like you say with either I mean, Leighton Baines or even that that young fella Brendan Galloway. They both get forward a lot, so their width would allow him to come inside, which would suit him quite well. I think he potentially could could make his place in the side. I think it'll be interesting to see how he does, but I think he will do well. I think he will fit him.
0: So Tokyo what do you think's been the key to his success on locomotive then?
2: I think it's worth noticing that he was quite poor in his first first year in Russia, so I fear when he moved to when he moved to Everton, he'll need some time to adjust to the league. Just like we saw with Dombillo when he moved to Italy, that it is difficult to go from Russia to a, to a bigger league where the pace is much much higher, and I think uh, Nyasa will need some time to adjust as well. And that was the same we saw in in Lokomotiv. At, after the first year, in this season he finally caught up with the rest, and and when when the coaches started trusting him, he really paid back um, for the trust, and he has been scoring ever since. I mean, when he and when he didn't score, he made an assist. So. Yeah, I think it's really important that the coaches trust him and give him time to adjust and then I'm sure he'll pay back eventually, just like Ilya and Andrew said.
0: So this sort of leads on to my next question, which is a question for all of you. Um, this, Neas, the player we've just been talking about, is possibly the answer for all of you, but maybe you've got another idea in mind. Is who will the Russian league miss the most out of the departures?
3: Mm, that's a tough one. I think, I think Niasa is, is the obvious answer. Um, although... I think although he of course was only on loan from Roma, I do think Doombeer well the position that Doombier filled will be a huge, huge miss for Tesca. Um I know a lot of Tesca fans hoped there would be some deal that they could have made to keep him for longer. Um but now he's now he's off to, to Newcastle. I think um that hole will be um, very difficult to fill for Tirska, and uh, uh, that's who I think um, will be also missed. So that's who I'd say.
2: So and that, Yeah, I think on. it's also important to remember that Dombier is, is not only a great player, but he, he's also sort of an icon in the league. While Nyace has played six months where he's been really good and he's probably <coughs> the, best, the best player who's left, then Niasse, uh, no, Dombier is just a, a bigger name and... He's mm. really, really loved by all the CSK fans and is an icon in the league. who's done well for many years, so I, I actually think that Dombia will be missed more. So, Ilya,
0: how do you think he'll get on at Newcastle then?
1: Oh Well, I'm not quite sure. I, I, I'm actually quite skeptical about Dumbia because of his injury history. So, uh, I think like he needs a, a league which is like... Uh, Better for his health so <laughs> maybe the like Russian league. Though he, he missed a lot of games here, but when he played, he was simply one of the best players in Russia. He was in top five. So, I don't know. I'm not sure he will succeed. I think Yasa has more chances to succeed.
0: So which club has actually done the best business? Not just one particular signing, but I'm talking about outgoings, getting rid of some deadwood and bringing in some quality to replace it there, Toka. Who do you think's done the best business?
2: I think Spartak has actually done really well cleaning up their squad. They have gotten rid of and Shirokov, Uzbalis, and recently also Tino Costa, who was playing on loan. And I think a really important part of what Alenicev is doing at Spartak is to rebuild the squad. And that means he has to get rid of some of the, the expensive players. And all of these players I just mentioned are good players, but he just needs to move forward and needs to bring in some new blood and try to get rid of the old sort of thing at Spartak that obviously didn't work. And I also think that even though it was a shame they lost the young goalkeeper, Anton yeah, Um it was a really good thing that they got a buyback clause on him. I mean, he could have left on a free transfer in six months' time, but they sold him to Switzerland this winter, and now they can get him back on either loan or buy him back in a few years when he has developed, hopefully, and gotten some first-team football. So that's a good deal for them, I think.
0: Yeah, Andrew, Tucker and mentioned the outgoings at Spartak. Possibly the weirdest Move of the window was Tashi moving on loan to Bayern Munich. Any comments on that?
3: Yeah, that that kind of took me by surprise, really. Although it's, I can see how it makes some sense for for both sides in hindsight. Because as far as I understand, Bayern only have one fit senior centre back at the moment. So you know, a loan move where he's he's available to play. He won't be he won't be cup tied in Europe. Um, uh, he could fill in and he was a very promising youth player in Germany he was highly rated and um, so his reputation in Germany will still be reasonable enough so I think actually it might be a good move for both um, like Toka said clearing out a lot of uh, a lot of the highly paid players for the time being is probably a good move um, although Tashi, I think you know, he he. They will want to keep him in the long term, but I, I think it will be good for him. He'll gain a bit more experience, perhaps a bit more confidence, being at top club. Um, and uh, yeah, strange, but actually makes sense. I think.
0: So yeah, I'm happy to see him do that. Elia, who do you think has done the best business?
1: Well, uh, of course, locomotive, because uh, first uh, the team managed. To get uh, the money they needed uh, due to the fa- uh, financial fair play situation, they'll get the money they needed f- for next summer to show something to EFI. And uh, actually, I don't think uh, there would be a chance to get more uh, maybe later in the summer window. And uh, also, we didn't sign a new contract with uh, Dmitry Sichov, and it's a good thing. Finally, uh, he'll play in for for other team. We won't pay a salary uh, to Sichev. but maybe there is one club which done better than Lokomotiv. Uh, and uh, I was surprised by the Rostov campaign because as they they signed Yorokhin, they signed Kudreshov, and uh, kind of surprised me because I didn't expect them to strengthen their squad uh, considering their financial situation. But uh, it it looks like they're going to compete for European places uh, in the rest of the season.
0: Yeah, one team I would point out to you is uh, Ruben Kazan. Seem to have got a couple of decent players. I'm looking at Emil Bergström from Jugorden in Sweden. And uh, Dennis You know the one I mean. From Zenit. There we go, the midfield player. Token, what comments would you have on the Ruben transfers there?
2: I have to be honest, I don't know a lot about the guys that uh, Ruben Kazanop had uh, brought in, but I think they've done some interesting things. And from what I hear, Backstrom is a very, it, it could be a, a good thing for, for them. And he, we already have some very good suites in, in Russia playing at the, the moment. So hopefully you can follow in, in their steps. Also, they have gotten rid about about um, Mauricio Lemas, who was left for Spain. He wasn't really, he wasn't really impressive. T- in the in the past six months for them and also Shadyev has returned to Senate which is also good for both parties I think so yeah I think it looks promising I also think we need to highlight the uh, Krasnodar was also done well despite the sanctions from UEFA this this winter
0: yeah Andrew um, one club I would say is quite a strange one you look at Mordovia who are really rooted at the bottom and they have done nothing do you think they've given yeah. up <laughs> It,
3: it, it certainly looks that way. Um, I mean, I've I've always been a bit disappointed with um, how little I've seen of Yannick Jallo um, because I do remember seeing him playing some UEFA Cup games a few years ago, and I thought, well, he's a reasonably decent name. He's he's quick. He's he's got a bit of skill. Um, but I, whether it's financial, I don't know. Um, I mean, they couldn't they couldn't afford to extend the loan. Perhaps I don't know, um, but they. The one, player, the one player they have returning has come from two men on loan um, and he did absolutely nothing at two men. So it's a fairly sad indictment of the quality of their squad if he drops down to a lower level and still fades into the background. Um, I, I, I worry for them, uh, if I'm being honest. I would like to mention about Tukachov to took to, off oh, for crying out loud. The player that we cannot.
0: I, hang on, hang on, wait there, Andrew. Elia, yeah. enlighten us. Tkachuk,
1: but but I think it would be easier to pronounce him as the one uh, American hockey player. They call him Tkachuk. Maybe it's easier for him. Why not? Like, well,
3: you hmm. see, I I remember him playing last season in the Fenel and um, at the time. In Chumen, we had a, a young attacking midfielder. Um, what we still do called Nikita Telenkov, who he was being played in the number ten role and out wide. And our manager was challenging him to to do better. And he and he used Tukatuk as an example. He said, "Look, look at this guy. He's he's scoring 10, 11 goals. You should be doing the same." So at the Fener level, he um, he shone, and I think. It's a little bit of a shame that he's moved permanently from Zenit. I would have rather seen alone for 6 months and then give him, you know, more chance, but I think Zenit was the wrong club for him to move to in the first place. So I hope he gets a chance at Rubin because I know he's a great player and he he could be one of those sort of those transfers that went under the radar initially but it turns out to surprise people. I think he'll do well
2: yeah but I think it's it's important to remember that he turns 27 this summer so for senator to keep him it wouldn't keep much sense if he can make an impact now he's it's unlikely that he'll do it in in a year or two when he's almost thirty. yeah I mean yeah, he, his
3: age does count against him I agree he, he has
2: spent a
0: lot of time in the reserve team and I remember him coming on in a cup game against um Ninovgorod. he scored a couple of goals there did quite well but other than that he's really done nothing, to be honest. I just want to move outside of Russia, but also within Russia at the same time. Bit of a strange concept. I'm thinking of Denis Cheryshev. Now, on transfer deadline day, uh, Real Madrid manager Zinedine Zidane suggested that he should leave the club in order to, well, help his career, really. Ilya, what what would you make of Cheryshev's move to Valencia?
1: Well, well I don't... Know a lot about uh, Valencia's tactics, but I think it's a good move for him. Uh, I was really happy that he finally managed to move uh, uh, from Real Madrid, uh, though the rumors he would stay because he actually needs playing time. He's a he's a guy that could become a leader of Russian team, but he needs uh, more playing time. He needs to play like one or two times a week. To yeah, it may suit him well. I think it will be like like his time at Villarreal, I hope that he, he'll play like a Villarreal. Because we remember he played for Sevilla and he got an injury, I think, and he missed uh, most of the games, so uh, I hope this time it uh, will be better for him. And we need this player for Euro and for the World Cup. Um, and we, we definitely don't need him to be in Russian League, because we know what happens with Russian players in our league. We we see him on, on the example of Kokorin, so yeah, I hope he will succeed there and in, in Valencia. Maybe we will stay in, uh, at Valencia for the next year. Uh, that would be great for him.
0: Yeah, Toko, you mentioned on a previous con- uh, podcast when we were discussing the teams for the Euros that you wouldn't take him. Do you think if he got regular playing time at Valencia that would change your mind?
2: Yeah, definitely. As I as I said, that as long as he didn't play for Real Madrid, I think he. He was an awful option, and he proved that in the, in the, in the friendly he played against Portugal, that he, he really isn't a guy that can be trusted on the national team. But with regular playing time, I think, he, is, he as Ilya said, he's, he should be one of the stars on the team. And now he even gets to train together with one of the best coaches in the world, Gary Neville. So, I mean, how can that not be perfect for him? I won't
0: particularly describe him as great after the <laughs> result against Barcelona. It's... Oh, you Did... mean, no? <laughs>
2: Did Cerise... only, seven, only seven defeats in a row in the league. Yeah, it's not bad. <laughs>
1: Did Cheryshev play that
2: game against Barcelona?
1: Oh, yeah, and he was uh, unhappy with the shouts from the stand because on, on the 59th minute of the game, uh, Barcelona fans reminded him of, of him playing for Real Madrid in the cup and... Um, this way, helping Real Madrid to eliminate because he uh, didn't have a right to play there, and that's why Real Madrid was eliminated. Uh, so, and yeah, Barcelona fans were happy about it, that and reminded Tereshv. And there are like some rumors I-, I read, like one of Russian newspapers, that he is afraid that other fans will shout the same like, because ma- many fans don't like Real Madrid.
0: Probably needs thicker skin.
1: So, Andrew, I've talked to you
0: about Mordovia there. who I mean, apart from them, who do you think's done the worst business of the window?
3: Um, for me, without doubt, it's oral. Um I mean, I say the worst business, it might be a little unfair because Pod Brodowskin, moving to Krasnodar, they, I, I read the general manager's comments about it. He said, look, it's even though we're not getting a transfer fee because he cancelled his contract and then moved on a free transfer, he said, we're saving the salary until the end of the season, which I thought was, if that's how far they need to save money, then they're in real trouble. And losing Jerojan is obviously a huge blow. He's the the spearhead in attack. And, and also, um, not using Carlos Strandberg's loan at all, he, he had all the ingredients to fit in because... There's only really Spartak Godnyv, who's thirty four years old and he's he's a good experienced squad member, but he's never well not at this rate, a first choice. He should have been it should have given Strandberg opportunities. So they've lost their their best winger, the best attacking midfielder, and well I wouldn't go as far to say Strandberg is the best striker, but he he could have been. So where the goals are gonna come from, well, there won't be as many. It's easy to say that. They did bring in a fella from Farkel in the from the Feneil, Um but I, I haven't seen him play. I don't know much about him, so how much impact he'll make, I don't know. I think Bordeaux could be in real trouble at the end of his season. I think they will slip down the
0: table, unfortunately. So, Tugger, who do you think's done the worst business then?
2: I think Andrew just mentioned the, the, some of the obvious candidates, but I would also like to to highlight locomotive. I know we have praised them a lot for the for the sale of. Um, but I think it's, it was a big mistake failing to replace him before the European transfer window closed because that means they can't use if they make a new signing, they can't use him in the Europa League and that means they at the moment they only have Peter Skuletic really as their as their striker and if he gets injured, they are in, in big troubles ahead of the Fenerbahce games and hopefully they can even advance from that and have, make a good campaign, but it will be difficult with only one striker, so I think they should have brought in someone before the transfer window closed in Europe. Ilya, would you
0: echo those, our resident locomotive man?
1: Well, I should say that locomotive definitely needs a new player, but I don't think it must be a striker because uh, uh, first we have uh, Skulecic who can become uh, uh, first choice uh, forward. Uh, then we have Mikon who is a winger, but he actually was very good as a striker, if you remember. The first half of the season, uh, he scored several important goals, being the the only striker. And uh, also we had Galadjan, our big, biggest talent. And if he gets some playing time, I would be happy about it. So I think Lokomotiv definitely needs forward or a winger like uh, Ignatiev. And uh, that would be great if, if Ignatiev moves to Lokomotiv because he'll be able to... Substitute Kasayev uh, Samedov for uh, Mykon, and he is definitely better than Grigoryev So we need a player in the attack and third. But uh, I think it, it will be fine for Lokomotiv even if we don't buy a, an extra player because uh, we have good youngsters. We had good average players who, who can substitute our uh, first choice players. So. Not good for Europa League, I agree with Toki, yeah. Uh, but I think our biggest goal right now is to succeed in the Premier League to fight for the Champions League spot.
0: Yeah, Andrew, this sort of leads me on. We've spoke a lot about um, big transfer fees and players moving around the Russian Premier League. This brings me on to uh, Fener L. Do you think there are really some players down in those lower leagues who could have made the step up?
3: I Honestly, I do believe there are some who who could do a job at a mid-level club. But, I mean, uh, of, of the teams that I've seen play, um, when Angie were here last season, when they came to Chumen, I mean, they had just dropped down, yes, but they, they had... Well, Ilyan Maximov stood out for me. I voted very highly for him in our top 50 players this season. But one player I'd like to pick out is Vadim Afonin for Gazovic. I and mean, Gazovic... Uh, um, they're nailed on to go up this season. He's a really tall, defensive midfielder, but he's very intelligent. And what I expected before I came here was the style of play in the Fennell would be, well, kick and rush, fairly rudimentary. But there were a lot of intelligent midfielders and Afonin is one of them. He absolutely dominated the game, looked com- in complete control. His passing was good, he was strong, he was tackling positional sense. So I think there are, I think teams around the, you know, teams like Rubin or um, even in their current situation, Kuban Krasnodar could do with looking at this level instead of bringing in Felipe Santana on God knows what salary. The quality is here, I think.
0: Yeah, Toko, would you echo Andrew's sentiments that more should be done to bring in FNL players?
2: I think it's worth looking in FNL, especially when you think about you have we have this. Um, limit of you need to get in the Russian players and if you look at England for example we have Vardy running around at the moment tearing apart the Premier League and he came from uh, from very low down the league so yeah I definitely think it's 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 worth looking uh, in the FNL for new signings especially as they will be much cheaper than uh, signing players from outside of Russia with the uh, financial problems at many of the clubs so it's definitely worth it I think. Mm.
0: Andrew, I just want to uh, mention the Funnel Cup, which starts on Valentine's Day, so it's going to be a lovely competition, obviously. So what could you sort of enlighten the listeners as to the format of the competition?
3: Well, yeah, it's become it's grown in the last few years. Um, about three or four years ago, it was the top eight teams. Now it's the top 16 teams, um, and they have four groups of four, and it goes through to a quarter-final, semi-final, final. And... It's, I have to say, I think it's the best thing about the league structure because it's it's an open competition, so unregistered players can play on trial. And, I mean, I spoke to the press officer at Chumen about last year's tournament, and they, they had, I think, 11 players on trial. I think only two of them actually signed, but it's a little bit more competitive than... Just a normal pre-season friendly because these clubs know each other. Obviously, they play against each other regularly, and it's it's a good opportunity for clubs who, well, at this level, we're talking of transfer fees of, you know, ten thousand um, pounds. That's very unusual to pay to spend anything. So it's it's a good it's a good system, I think. It gives them a warm-up and it gets the opportunity to bring in new players and trial them. There is prize money. There was, I think it was $50,000 was the prize fund a few years ago, which doesn't sound like much, but it would at least pay for the club to be there, um, give them a little bonus. So there is that as well. Um, it's a very useful useful
0: little tournament. So are there any players or teams we should be looking out for?
3: Well, it's very... The, the one problem with supporting a club at this level is that... Um, getting news of other teams and who they've signed and who they're trialling is very difficult. But what I would say is, uh, I mean, it sounds obvious, but Gazovic, top of the table. um, I've watched them from the second division when they played against Chumen, and they are a a fantastic team, and I think they will do well, I'm going to say, when they get promoted next season. Uh, They have striker Kovalev, um, who scored about 10, I think, this season so far. But I will be selfish, and I'll pick on men. We have, I would say, one of the best attacking midfielders at this level, Daniel Klonkin, uh, and he's played all across the midfield. Uh, very versatile, very intelligent. But I shouldn't say too much, because I don't want him to leave. But last year, we came third. So this year, hopefully, we will do even better and win more prize money.
0: Ilya, I want to come to you on this as a resident Russian. We've seen the, quite a few players from the russian premier league either mo- moving down to the fnl or abroad what do you think is the, the best option for russian football if they moved within their own country or whether they move abroad
1: oh uh, well it depends on their goal if they they really got to think about it if they want to spend uh, a whole their life in russia in russian top teams uh, then fnl would be definitely the better choice for them because There is a Russian style of football. We know how Russian teams play, uh, like an overall, and uh, maybe to get acquainted to this style, they need to play in lower league teams and FNL. But I think I would be more happy if they move abroad to uh, leagues like Estonia or like second leagues in Germany and France and other countries. they will have a better chance to move abroad then, because people look at them the scouts from the bigger teams in these leagues. And uh, as we see on the example of uh, Paniukov, who moved from Lithuania to the to France, France second division, they really get a chance to play um, at a higher level. Uh, and uh, yeah. I would prefer if they moved to foreign clubs. But having
0: said that, Ilya, what I would say is um, player at your club, Anton Miranchuk, moving to Levadia Tallinn. The Estonian league isn't the strongest. Surely it would have been better to stay within Russia?
1: Oh, yeah. I'm a bit skeptical about these uh, Baltic leagues because, as far as I know, uh, they usually have one or two teams uh, which com- can compete for the title. Like, uh, in Latvia there's only one team also. Uh, I think uh, in Zastonia it's the situation is similar, so... But the guy needs the playing time, so... Uh, I remember many players from Lokomotiv moved to FNL teams, uh, like Maxim Belaev, who was one of our biggest talents, who played in Europa League playoffs uh, under Cossero, and I think FNL experience didn't help him at all. and. But there are some good examples like his colleague Taras Burlak also our former defender who moved to FNL side and maybe he has a chance to return to even to to bigger club and to a Russian national team in the future because he does like, pretty good. So it depends but I think there would be a uh, a better choice uh, uh, uh maybe in other leagues i don't know why why players don't like to move or don't move to scandinavian uh, countries uh, like for example our former player kirisov who, who played for the second division side uh domodedova he moved to stabak uh, which plays in the top tier of norwegian league and he didn't play a lot just because of the injury, but, I mean, if you compare the levels, Russian second division and Norwegian top tier, I-, I talked to a lot about it with Kirisov, and he told that definitely it's a better experience to play for a uh, Norwegian team, which can compete for, um, for the title for higher places than just a uh, second division team. Uh, even if the salary in our second league is higher, the experience in foreign leagues, it, it, they can get it in in Russian leagues. So uh, I hope, like maybe, our young players will look at Scandinavia or maybe Belgium or these leagues where there are a lot of many young players. Uh, and actually, Russian scouts watch a lot of Scandinavian, Belgian, uh, or uh, Dutch football, and <laughs> maybe that would be a chance for them to return to Russian top teams yeah we've got our resident scandinavian here of course
0: Tucker. i mean a name i'm thinking of is jamaldin kajaniasov from Zenit, who's moved to denmark um yeah yeah what would your view be on players moving in particular
2: reference to scandinavia really what would your preference be on that i think Ilya is absolutely right i think moving to say scandinavia in this case is, is, is a good move because you get to play in a competitive league and you get to play at clubs where the facilities are excellent at most uh, places you play against big teams Uh, in denmark you play big stadiums and i think the whole environment is probably better than playing in the in the second division and i don't think that's necessarily because it's the russian second division i just think that playing in the top league is is always special and it, it develops players I also think that moving abroad helps help the players mature and that's, that's something that will also that's also will benefit them later in their career, that they get to, to have some other experiences that they, they play abroad and even though it's not the, the Premier League or La Liga or something like that, just the, the fact that they play in a foreign country and uh, have to settle and everything, I think that's that will help them a lot. To also, to just grow as people and to become more mature. And yeah, the Scandinavian leagues, the Scandinavian leagues are very good. And but you could also mention, for example, going to the Polish top league or, or the, the Czech Republic, like uh, some of CSK's players have done. I think it's they're all good options. And let's remember that Panjukov once said that playing in the FNL was the worst experience of his life. So. I definitely think that it's it makes sense to look at some of the smaller leagues outside of Russia for a playing time for these young players.
0: Yeah, Andrew, as our sort of resident FNL fan, would you concur with that or are you more in staunch defence of the lower leagues?
3: Well, I think I'm I'm slightly more open to loans in the FNL, but what what Toka and Ilya say is is right. I think you know, players will probably in the long term mature more by broadening their horizons more. I mean, the the problem with clubs in the Fennell is they have just a quite ridiculous turnover of players. So, you know, the chance to be part of a solid environment where you're working with players who are committed to the club is less likely, um, although not impossible, than it might be in a Scandinavian league or a more established league, at least. I mean, the the, the transfer fees are something that don't really come into Fennell reckoning very often. There's just, it's free transfers, people moving left, right, centre, and it's very hard to keep track. So, it's not always the best environment for a young player. Although, there are the odd exceptions. I mean, Artyom Jelkin, we talked about in the last podcast, he's... um, he struggled first on loan at Tumen from Karelia and uh, but this season he's it's just it's clicking for him, it's working for him at uh, Gazovic. Now I think that's because Gazovic are more of an exception than a rule. They're a well well-run club on the pitch at least, um, and I'm assuming off it too because they can keep their best players. So only if you choose the right club would I say is it a worthwhile experience. Uh, Nikita Churnov going to Baltica for example, I'm, I'm very skeptical about this as a move because Baltica well being where they are geographically there's huge distances to travel and they're not the strongest um, not the strongest side. So uh, I'm torn between the two although I'd have to grudgingly admit yes moving abroad could be in the long term the best in the best interests of the best young players.
0: Yeah, it's not only players moving to foreign leagues. though, there's also foreign players coming into the FNL, aren't there, Andrew? Yes, I mean there have
3: been been some foreigners who have who have come. There aren't a, most of them are you know former Soviet Republic nationalities or Eastern European. But I mean there was last season. Angie when they dropped down, they signed Yannick Boli um, from the Ukrainian league, and he was just absolutely brilliant, and he top scored for. Well, he was top scorer in the league, and now I, I'm still a big fan of his. I think he can. It's a good launchpad for him, and that was a great move. There's Juan Lescano, um, an Argentinian, who's and um, he's he's a young playmaker. There was an article about him on the Russian football news website, an interview with him. I think David did it, uh, and he's been in the league for two, three years. But there there are only a few. There are only a handful of non-Eastern European or non-former Soviet Republic players, so Martin Urenic, um is probably the highest profile name, So, you could tell us about him, Thomas
0: Yeah, he's a bit of a Birmingham cult hero, played in the winning <laughs> Carling Cup final, that was a fantastic day, I will just say that <laughs> But um, I love this stat with um, Jean-Jacques Bergoui, who's only played once after being signed for €250,000 which is 75% of the FNL, FNL total transfer spend last summer, which seems a bit ridiculous to me. But um, are they from a specific region, Andrew? Were they sort of, I mean, there's quite a lot about, there's quite a lot of Brazilian emphasis in Russian football, I feel like. Are they sort of filtering down to FNL?
3: Um. There, there
0: there have been one or
3: two who have come down um not not very many at the moment there is leandro at uh, volga nizhny novgorod and if i'm being perfectly honest when he played uh, against chumen i watched them i watched him he he wasn't he wasn't up to the standard so i i think there is a small window of opportunity that maybe Brazilians, Argentinians, Latin Americans might start looking at, but they need to be better advised about which club to go to because staying in the Fennell is not really a long-term option if you want to progress. We did have easily the best player in the Fennell last season at Tumen, Clayton. Uh, I still cry when I think of his name that he's not here anymore, but he was he a was magical player, absolutely magical. He played for Braga in the Europa League, but He came for six months and I I spoke to him a couple of times and he he loved the city, he loved the fans, he liked the close relationship he had with with the club. Um, But it was never a long-term option. He was always too good. So I wouldn't say it's filtering down significantly, but I think it is an option that might be looked at by some Latin Americans looking to break into Europe It's it's low down the ladder, but it's it is a window in and I'd use Yannick Bolly as a good example of a foreigner who has used it as a springboard. So potentially in the future, yes.
2: So
0: this foreign discussion brings us on to the topic of naturalization for the Russian national team. Now, just for those unfamiliar, the process is of getting foreigners who are eligible for Russian passports to play for the Russian national team. So the likes of Roman Neustadter who plays for um, Schalke in Germany, was born in the Ukrainian USSR and is actually eligible for Russia and has been in discussions with the Russian Football Union. Similar situation to Konstantin Rausch at uh, Darmstadt. A couple of players currently based in Russia who are sort of thinking about getting Russian citizenship in order to be eligible. That's uh, Mario Fernandez. Um, Ari at Krasnodar was rumored for R, but I think that's gone off the radar. And we've got the keeper at uh, Lokomotiv, Gilhermi. Now, Turka, what's your sort of general view on naturalization? Is it the way to go for Russia?
2: I think, speaking of naturalization, I think you need to make a, a line between the players like Neustädter and Rauch and then the Brazilians, Mario Fernandes and Ari, because when you speak of the Germans, Neustädter and Rauch, they both have actual ties to Russia and they both have um Russian ancestors while the Brazilians are player who who has moved to Russia with no real um, relationship to the country before moving there and then they have been here for the five years needed to obtain the citizenship so I think there's a difference there and but whether or not they should give out the passports I, I don't have a problem with them giving Russian citizenship to noise and Rouush because as I said they have the the ties to to Russia, but I think it's. I, I never think it should be. Sh- you should give passports to to players like uh, Mario Fernandez or Ari, or at least you shouldn't give it for the, to them so they can play on the national team. Because I I believe the national team is the the national team, and you should. What What makes the national team special is that you use the players from from the actual country.
0: Yeah, I will just give a quote from Zenit striker Artyom Zuber, who's
2: generally against naturalisation.
0: He says, I have a negative view of naturalisation. Many say they do this in Europe, but there's a lot they do in Europe that we don't understand. When the Russian national anthem is playing, you have to feel it deeply. I can't imagine how a player from another country listens to our national anthem. His heart doesn't skip a beat. So, Ilya, what's the general Russian reaction to this naturalisation? Do people see it in a positive way because you could be getting a a better quality of player.
1: Oh well, there is a mixed reaction. So some people do approve it because uh, Russian national teams definitely needs uh, big players. And, like before Zuba became so good, we needed a striker for many years, and sometimes we need defensive midfielders. Sometimes well, we need. Wingers. So, yeah, pe- people uh, getting excited about uh, a guy from abroad becoming Russian. But, yeah, many many people agree with Tokyo that uh, we shouldn't uh, acquire Brazilians or people who have no connection at all with uh, Russia. Well, actually, uh, Russia did a lot of naturalization at uh, the beginning of the 90s when we had players from Ukraine when we had Karpin who is actually Estonian uh, so people had no problems with that and they're they're fine with that but uh, yeah maybe people uh, of course are against Mario Fernandez or Irene becoming a player of, of Russian national team as for Guilherme uh, for example uh we see that he likes to be here too he, he knows russian language he, he can speak russian he likes russia he, he likes russian traditions and uh, he, he enjoys being there and that's why many people are okay with him getting russian citizenship but i'm not sure they will actually be happy when they'll see him in, in the t-shirt of russian national team so i hope we'll have a chance to check this
0: yeah, Andrew, what would sort of your view on this be? Because as English, we've never really had that much of it. I mean, there was a bit of a thing surrounding Mikel Arteta a few years ago, but that never came to fruition because I think it turned out he's ineligible. But what would you sort of have on the Russian nationalization issue?
3: I think what Toko and Yulia say is, is sensible because, I mean, without getting too in-depth on the issue, I think it would be an unpopular move. Um, and... Almost for that reason alone, I'd say it should be treated with caution. I'm referring to naturalising whether it's Brazilian or whether it's just simply a player who is from a totally different culture but has been here for a long time. One thing I would say is um, in the mini-football, futsal area... The naturalization of Brazilians has been going on for quite a while and the the Russian national futsal team are one of the best in the world and um, they rank, do rank have, third I think. The third, yes, they have Pula, and um, Cirillo and another I think one of the goalkeepers in their squad is is also Brazilian and and they they're fluent in Russian. They clearly love the place and they have been accepted by futsal fans on the whole. Um, I think they've been playing for Dinamo Moscow for a while now. But I think it needs to be treated with caution. I don't think it should just be thrown open just simply, you've lived here for five years and that's it, you can play. It's it's a touchy issue. But um, I I think I would err on the side of caution in terms of just trying to fast-track the best foreign players who want to play and have lived for so many years. But then again, legal issues could come into it. If you are legally eligible to become a Russian citizen, then legally we can't sort of we can't effectively stop it. I have been here for six years. I'm legal and legally I'm eligible to become a Russian citizen myself. Um, so it's it's a difficult issue, but I, I agree with what Toker and Ilya say. I think
0: it should be carefully treated. So Toker, what's strange with Neustadt-Rausch and Maria Fernandez is they've actually all played for what would I call. Their original national team. So Neustadt has played in a friendly for Germany. Uh, Rausch played under twenty-one matches for Germany, and Mario Fernandez played in a friendly for Brazil. It's a quite a strange issue, really. Why would they suddenly want to move over? Can you really? They might not have the the passion for the Russian national team. It seems a bit of a career move.
2: Yeah, I think when when it all comes, what all comes down to is that Neustädter, uh, Rausch, and Fernandez have probably realised that they will never. They're never going to be established players on their, what you can say, real national team. And that's why they're considering um, becoming Russian, uh, elite, uh, Russian national team players. I think that's the, the bottom line. I think Neustadter would probably have preferred to play for Germany. Otherwise, he would have applied for Russian citizenship many years ago. And I can imagine the same being the case
1: with Mario Fernandes.
0: So, Iljo, is there a danger here that this could really get out of control?
1: Well, I think, yeah, there is, because if you look at the examples of other sports, like we have Korean winning golden medals in uh, Winter Olympics and Sochi, American and other guys, and really that that's maybe that will be a motivation for... Uh, Moutko and other guys uh, uh, who control uh, Russian football, who uh, work in Russian football union with LLC Come on, if, if we need to win uh, World Cup 2018, and uh, why don't we use uh, foreign players for that, if it works uh, for other sports? And, uh, that, that's what was uh, I'm, I'm really afraid of. I think, yeah, there should be a line between players who really want to compete for Russia, not for money, but really for Russian national team, for this country. And there are people like Roy Jones, the boxer, who, who is not Russian at all, but he, the guy really wanted some money and really wanted to box on a high level. That's why he got Russian citizenship. So, yeah, I, I definitely I agree with Toki about it.
2: In, in the end, I also think that naturalization is sort of the easy solution to, to Russia's problems. I mean, it's much easier to just naturalize some good foreign players than to actually try to go to the root of the problem and solve it by evolving the, the youth development in the country and investing money and getting the knowledge of how to make better, how to make the Russian players better. And that's that's what needs to be done. But of course, that can't be done before the World Cup in two years, but I mean that's that's the important sol- uh, problem that needs to be solved. And giving away passports and importing foreign players, that's just a temporary solution. And in the end, it won't help Russian football at all. Actually, it will it will do the opposite. It will just it will it will hurt it in the end. I'm absolutely certain of that.
0: Yeah, Andrew Toka referred to the development. We spoke of it earlier. What I would say is. Um Qatar, for example, are thinking of naturalising quite a lot of their squad. Is it is Russia just sort of following the trend?
3: Well, I'm I'm curious. You mentioned Qatar. I was just I was going to raise that point myself um, because I I did some research into their Aspire Academy, this multi-million-pound complex, and it was before uh, before a regional tournament. I forget I forget which level it was. Um, that they, a month before, they brought in a Ghanaian, a Senegalese and a Congolese player, I believe. Um, and there was uproar in there, in the country. But interestingly, they said the only issue was the time before a tournament. In general, they didn't have a problem with it. They have a Uruguayan striker, Sebastian Soria, who I think, I'm right in saying, is now the record cap holder for Qatar. And they, they embraced him. So. I think Russia probably have looked around at what has happened elsewhere and thought, well, if they are, why can't we? I, I'm reluctant to, to say too much about this because you, you risk going down the route of prejudice. But I do think there is there is a line that needs to be drawn somewhere. And I think it would affect the relationship that certainly the fans and the public have with the national team, which is well, fragile at best, I would say, at the moment. So I think it's, yeah, they, they ought they ought to be careful. Um, but I agree with Toka. I think it affects the motivation of young Russians who are born in Russia. Um, so that's something I'd be very wary of.
0: I would love to hear a case of a Russian player being naturalised for another country. So if anybody has any suggestions on that, then they are really open to it, because that would be fantastic. Ilya, I want to put a proposal to you, not not in a romantic way, don't worry. But <laughs> <laughs> but um, what I'm thinking is, for example, Neustädter, Rausch and Fernandez already played for a, a national team. I, I doubt the RFU would implement this, but are we, I've got a proposal where if you've already played for another national team, you shouldn't be eligi- eligible for selection. I know it's FIFA ruling to do with friendlies and under-21s, but the RFU could set up their own rule here, do, don't you think?
1: Uh, so... Why should we introduce such rule? I mean, if if you're not good enough for your previous team, or what, or if you really have got a desire to move to your to the other national team, uh, I mean, what's what's the purpose of introducing this rule? Well, just uh, well because if you've
0: already played for a national team, then it looks more like a career move. Whereas I'm. I can see where you're edging to, but I'm thinking if you haven't already got international recognition, then you've got more of a right to play for another country.
1: Oh, well, actually, uh, this reminded me of many locomotive players. If you look at our squad from the 90s, how many Uzbekistan players we had who are not Uzbekistan at all, and uh, like uh, Maminov or Pashinin or Denisov now, who are really... Uh, Russian, but they decided to play for Uzbekistan because they, they thought they would have a better chance to play for this team. And now we definitely would be happy to have Denisov uh, in Russian national team, and he would be happy to play for us because he has no connections at all with uh, Uzbekistan. So yeah, maybe <laughs> yeah, in this case, yeah, that that would work if. if if we talk
0: about it this way, but toka do Russia really need the likes of Noisetta and Raush and people because they've already got those positions pretty much covered in the national team? You'd think the naturalisation issue would be more if it was a, a desperate need for a position, but it doesn't seem to be the case.
2: No, I would say if if they are to to do this, it should be to players who have who have the level that can really help the Russian national team, and that's. When we look at, for example, a player like Ari from Krasnodar, who has been mentioned that maybe he could get a Russian citizenship, I don't really think he, could, he would help the national team much. I mean, he's a good player in the Russian Premier League, but overall, he's, he's nothing special, really. Mari Fernandes, in my opinion, is a really exciting uh, right back, and I could see him go to a, a much bigger uh, club than CSK one day. So if we are to look at and take off the football romantic glasses and everything, I would say you should at least make sure that the players you uh, get on the national teams are players who can really raise the roof and who can really contribute also in the long run. So it's not just for a World Cup and then Mario Fernandez leaves Russia and decides, okay, he doesn't want to play in the national team anymore. So you need to make sure that he'll play on, on the national team for a long time, but also that he, he has the level to really make an impact.
0: Yeah, Andrew, would you come in on any thoughts on that?
3: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I I agree. I think there should be, there should perhaps be, if they're going to consider this as a long-term process, there should be a a full-time panel who will watch very closely, study very closely the performances of of the players. It's it's silly to just muddy the waters with players who are just of the same level. Um, So I do think it ought to be a. An ability based decision, not just the nationality, um, like where they were born and everything. I think it needs to be all of it together. All of the matters need to be considered. It's, again, like I said, I think where the problem might be if this becomes, if this discussion develops further at the higher levels, is the the legal side of it. Um, I mean, we've seen changes to the laws of football based on. European and international law. Uh, I mean, think of the Bosman ruling, for example, that forced football's hand, uh, and now free transfers is something we we've had for 20 years. About naturalisation, I don't know what the what international law says about changing nationalities. As far as I understand, it. it depends on the country. So that might be something that players might turn to if they are very keen to to get nationality of their new country they might use international law so uh, it might not even be a discussion we can decide it might be out of our hands anyway so it's um, that's something to think of too
0: I do have quite a funny naturalization story, not about Russia, but it's in general. So former Bolton Wanderers right back, Tyrone Mears, um, went to Jamaica. They checked out all his family history. They thought, yeah, you can play for the Jamaican national team. He played for the Jamaican national team, and then it turned out he actually wasn't eligible. So now he can't play for another international team because he's already played for Jamaica, even though he wasn't eligible. So you've just got to hope that that doesn't happen, really. (laughs) So Ilya, I just want to put the final question on this to you, really come do you think that Neustadt and Rausch and the like will be in the Euro 2016 squad
1: well I think as what I heard about Neustadt uh, is that uh, he was acquired by Mutka and it was a desire of Slutsky and that's why uh, it means that he really wanted him to be in the squad and maybe we have some problems with these positions and um, actually I think like these players, Neustar, Rausch, and those who play abroad have more motivation to play for Russian national team because they don't do it just because of the limit. They uh, really, at least they want to play national team football. It doesn't matter, maybe they don't want to play for Russia, but uh, they, they, they want to play for for any team, not just to have a, a, a special spot in the squad and Russian team, uh, just because of the limit. So... Yeah, I think Neustad uh, will get a chance to play for Russia. I'm not sure about Roush because uh, we have some competition on his position. But uh, yeah, I think Neustad will play here or maybe later.
0: So, thank you for listening to the Russian Football News Podcast. I'm once again going to thank the guests, uh, Toka, Andrew, and Ilya. Thank you for joining us again. Um, Andrew, do you just want to give your Twitter handle? I'll, I'll come to the other two
1: as well.
3: Uh, yep, yeah, Andrew Midge Flint, one word.
1: Okay, Ilya? And mine is Lokasokal. Okay, and uh, Toka? Uh, Toka delayed.
0: Could Could you spell the surname again?
2: I yeah. know we've had it before, but. <laughs> Every time. T-H-E-I-L-A-D-E. Okay, perfect. Now keep looking up the Russian football news website. There's
0: articles going up on there every day by all of the writers. Of course, do subscribe to the podcast and keep looking at the Twitter feed, which is Russ Football News. Search Russian Football News in Facebook and give us a like, and we'll hopefully see you in a couple of weeks' time for the next edition of the Russian Football News podcast. Goodbye. <laughs>
3: Идет футбольный матч, летит на поле мяч.